the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I want a good foundation in my life. I don't want a bad one. I don't want to be swept away by evil spirit winds. I want my house to stand. Are you in that camp with me? Okay, let's let's go to the rock and let's see what's going on. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. And this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Pastor Mike's message for today is the conclusion to Building on the Rock. We do hope that you enjoy it, and we are so appreciative of you listening here today. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxenteco. Okay. In the book of Revelation, those who oppose the truth become a synagogue of Satan at the time of the end. Those who honor his name are pictured as a Philadelphian church. In the book of Revelation, friend, those who oppose the truth have no place with the one who is the truth. So we should be in the truth business. In verse 18, Jesus compares the true believer to a good tree that cannot bear bad fruit because it is a good tree. How many of you want to be a good tree? Flowers, bright, good leaves in your life. Fruitful. Faith in Jesus Christ is incompatible with an attitude of disobedience. That is why good trees love God and stand tall for God in hard times. Good trees don't have idols. They say, well, you know, I may like a few things, but God first, no matter what. Good trees honor God's name, that is His holy law. Good trees relish the Sabbath experience so they can know God. They want to get to church on early. They want to be a part of Bible study. They want to study their Sabbath school lesson. They want to share Christ. They want to share their faith in the community more and more and more. Good trees honor their father and their mother because they know that their ultimate father is God. Good trees don't kill preborn babies in hospitals or people in the streets out of anger. Good trees value life. Good trees don't take from others, but they give so others can live. Good trees honor the marriage commitment, and they are faithful as husbands and wives, even if it is hard at times. And good trees don't lie to get their way in life, to become man-pleasers, or get promoted in the church or the workplace of the world, to be political instead of honest and good. That's not what a good tree does. I want to be a good tree. There have been times in my life when I've had rotten roots. You ever had rotten roots in your life where it wasn't right? You messed up, your attitudes are off, your actions are wrong, you're hard to someone when you should have been loving. We all have that. But when we set our mind on Christ and his word, we're really good trees no matter what we're struggling with in life. Verse 18, Jesus says, here it is, a sound tree cannot bear evil fruit. It's just the law of nature. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, what does it say? It's cut down. And thrown where? 
into the fire. And then Jesus says it just so plainly. Thus you will know them, how? By their fruits. Is that wise? Doesn't that make sense? You'll know someone by what they do. The product of their life. It'll be evident what kind of tree they are. Jesus here teaches us that it's more important to be a good man or a good woman than to know what is good or bad. To have great theology, it's more important to be a good person on the inside. I think Jordan Peterson talks a lot about that in his focus on modern ethics. And in that, I agree with Jordan Peterson. Being a good person matters. Authentic Christian living is more important than a fake religion that is only a form and a facade. Friend, you may claim to know the truth, but if the truth doesn't have a hold on you in life, your claim doesn't mean a thing to God. You may claim to be the remnant that is the few. And I hear people say, we're the remnant, I'm the remnant. Well, when you say that, you better make sure your life lines up with a claim like that. Do you love God with all your heart? Do you really love him enough to value the Sabbath day, to not have idols in your life? Do you stand for life instead of death? Are you a person that is represented by the law that keeps the commandments of God? You may claim to be the remnant of this few, but you're a bad tree that bears bad fruit if you disregard God's word and law in your life. And thus you're part of the many that goes to destruction, not the few who find the way to life. I had an interesting conversation recently with a prominent church leader who doesn't believe at all in taking the lives of children in our hospitals. And I said, why is it that so few ministers in our church are willing to stand up and let the word of God be laid at the root of this awful problem so it ends once and for all? And it has hit me, you know, there's one virtue upon which all virtues depend. The foundation of all virtues is humility. I agree with Confucius and St. Augustine. But there's one virtue without which no virtue works. It's the virtue of courage. In Revelation, it says that the cowardly will have their lot in the lake of fire. Friend, we are to be passionately committed to doing the will of God in our life. Not to look good because Jesus died for us. And so when we claim to be remnant, we must demonstrate by the fruits of our life that we are the remnant church. Jesus is directly drawing attention to Psalms 1 here. To open your Bibles, turn to Psalms 1 verse 1. Just like the Beatitudes, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff with the wind blows drives away. Look at verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. You see that? Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now look at this. But the way of the wicked shall what? Perish. I don't want to be in that group. It pays in life to be a good tree. It will matter in the judgment day also. So let us today by faith in Jesus determine that we are going to be good trees. I want to be a good tree. A good tree grows tall and upright, right? Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? I said, wait, wait, look what we've done. Nope, if it isn't good fruit, it doesn't matter. 
The many on the broad road are religious people who are full of themselves, who think that by their many good works that can be seen, they are righteous before God. They are not the poor in spirit kind of folk to whom the kingdom of God belongs. And Jesus will not know them in the judgment day. So let's be the right kind of tree. Verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. That is pretty stout stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus wasn't a feel-good preacher in his day. Jesus was a good and direct kind of preacher who taught in love that the people must obey God and follow his will in their life. He taught them in love because he loved them. He wanted them to be saved. We should do the same. So what is the foundation in life that will ensure us that we don't get swept away with human philosophy, with people who are violating God's wall for money at the time of the end? What holds your feet on solid ground so you as the meek will inherit the earth? Look at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, and what does the text say? And does them. Will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Obedience becomes the condition of standing on the rock. So what is the rock here? The rock is defined as the words of Christ. You can't separate the written word of God from the living word of God as the rock. When we take the words of Christ and we obey them, we are standing, we are building our house on the rock. Friend, when you come to your Bible and you submit to its teachings in your personal life, your personal devotional life, proper biblical teaching from the pulpit. You are coming to Jesus, and you are submitting to God's authority in your life. You are on the rock. That's how you know. The idea that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and know God without paying attention to your Bible or obeying the Word is nonsense. You cannot do that. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5 Peter is talking about Jesus as the rock. It says, come to him, to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight, chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christ is a living stone. The world doesn't like him. It doesn't like his teachings, his ways, his character. But we are to come to Jesus and model ourselves after him. Friend, Jesus is the living stone who is the rock we need. And yet Jesus tells us that the rock is his words. So is there disagreement here? No. Because Jesus and his words are the same thing. When you value the words of Christ, you are valuing Christ. The living and abiding word of God in Peter is the same thing as the living stone. Turn to 1 Peter 1, 18-23, just a little earlier in your Bible. Peter says, you know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of the times for your sake. Christ came at the end of prophetic time to save us. And through him, I like verse 21, you have confidence in God. With Christ, we are not on sandy ground. We have confidence with God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are where? In God. Let's look at verse 22. Come on. Having purified your souls, how? What does it say in your Bible? By your obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren. Love one another earnestly from the heart. Verse 23. Verse 23. You have been born anew, not of perishable seed, 
but of imperishable through the living and what does it say? The living and abiding word of God. Not the living stone here, the living abiding word of God. Same thing. The rock of ages is found in your Bible. When you follow the word of God, you're following Jesus. Friends, in Matthew 27, 27, Jesus talks about the rain that causes us to cry in life. The spirits that are winds that blow against the life house, threatening to tear our house down. Christ wants you and your family to stand and not fall. He wants you to have a solid foundation in your life. He wants you to succeed and not to fail. So as we live in the time of the end, we need the Bible in our lives. We need Jesus through it. There is no substitute for a devotional life, for hearing the word of God in prayer meeting and church. If you want to make it to God's kingdom, God wants you to live forever. Jesus does too and not die. Build your house upon the rock. Matthew 7, 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. And what does it say? Beat upon that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now, what's the rock? Two things. What is it? Jesus Christ and his words. That's right. The word of God. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house where? Upon the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. I want Jesus teaching in my life. I've studied the great theologians. I've studied historical theology. I don't care too much for any of it, really. I want Jesus Christ and his word in my life. I'm at a point in my life when I'm tired of preaching and teaching only to those who have heard it again and again and again and have grown tired of it. Is it okay to tell you that? I'm tired of that. I'm at a different point in my life. I want to teach the Word of God to people who want to hear it for the first time. In my ministry, a few have latched onto God's Word, I believe. Some have resisted it harshly. I've seen that over the last 20 years. Some. But there are a whole lot of people in the middle who are indifferent. We call that Laodiceanism. They hear it, but yeah, well, let's go home, forget that. It's that apathy that is the sin of God's people just before the coming of Christ that prevents us from standing on the rock. Friend, God works with all of these people. He loves them all. If you're in the middle, if you're indifferent, have animosity toward the truth, or if you love it, he loves us all. And so Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but he hasn't come back yet because the Adventist church is not ready for the coming of the Lord right now. We are a generation of unbelief that must be baptized in the power of the person, the presence of Jesus through the Bible that is the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. As a pastor, I want to share the Bible with people who've never heard it before. That's one reason I visit places in my week to go to know people. I'll get out of my easy chair. I don't live in my house. I go through the streets. I'm trying to find and meet new people. They don't come here, so I go to them. I've determined that I'm going to be the pastor of hundreds of people who may never come here. But I'm going to go to where they're at. And my week will be filled with that as much as I can here and there as I'm doing my errands for reaching hearts. And many of them would never understand what I'm saying to you today, but they would understand a little bit of God's word given with a prayer in the place where they work. So I go there. I talk to them in their businesses. I have Bible studies going with people 
I'd take booklets with me. I'd then do a little quick study in Daniel at the workplace. And I've noticed that after I'm doing it, one particular man, he calls me brother every time I come in the door. Because he knows I am, because of the Word of God. It unites us. I was this past week visiting a spot with two Bibles in my hand. I gave a Bible to a young lady. She received it like a treasure. She took it. She says, you gave me this Bible. And then they say, and this is, makes it worth how sweet. It makes you feel good. How many of you want to feel good? Well, give someone a Bible, a nice Bible. You know, not one of those cheap $5 Bibles that you wouldn't want to give to your dog. Give them a good Bible that looks good, has a leather or synthetic leather binding, if you're eco-conscious with I am, that makes it look good. And I put their name on it. So they know effort went into that Bible. And I write a note on it and I say, God's word is a lamp and a light and Jesus is the light or something like that. It's amazing how people want gifts in their life. Some people never give people anything. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Do you realize the Bible is a wonderful gift? You can give the Word of God to people and it will mean a lot to them. So two of her associates who worked at the desk with her noticed that she got the nice Bible. Uh-oh, envy started working in the business. They wanted one too, each one of them, the two. Now, she got the Bible. She had said, by the way, my mother never comes to work. But my mother, would you give her the Bible instead of me? Which is, I said, I'll get you both a Bible. So the costs went up. But I didn't care. So the other guys saw me doing that with her, and they wanted one too. So the two of them, I pledged to get them a Bible. It took a while, but I bought two more Bibles. And I was there that day, this week, with my Bibles in hand to deliver. Because I can't do this all at once. It's expensive. And I was delivering them that day. One of the two was there, the other was not. The one who was there began to well up with tears to degree when he got his Bible. A young man. (laughs) We were talking about fishing because I was there looking for fishing rods because I want to take the young adults here fishing. I have most of the fishing equipment in hand to fulfill my word to go fishing. It's cost me a few hundred dollars to get enough fishing equipment to take our young adults fishing. Don't worry if you hate fishing, you'll love the water, okay? Don't worry about it. We're going to figure it out. He told me that his foster father used to take him fishing, which meant that he grew up without a father. In fact, he grew up without a home. He said, I grew up as an orphan without a real father, but my foster father took me fishing just north of here. I said, really? I told him that's where I took my two boys, John Michael and Donald, fishing. We caught big fish out of there. We had something in common. You could see the fire moving between us, the excitement that we knew each other. I said, we probably were fishing the same time in the same place on a Sunday. He said, yeah. I asked him if he remembered the big hurricane that blew through here and changed the river forever. He said, yes, I do. It was powerful. It changed the river. I said, I was there with my two boys, John Michael and Donald. At the day the storm came, we waited as long as we could. We raced home, but it was the best fishing day of our life. There's something about a storm that brings the fish out. I said it was the best fishing day, and we both agreed that it had never been the same since that storm hit. It changed the river. It was never the same. 
I could tell that the Bible as a gift meant a lot to this young man who had never had a father in his life. He said, I haven't been fishing in a long time, and I miss my foster father. I could tell he missed those times with that one person in his life who had taken him fishing. I said, you know what? Maybe we can go fishing when we take our young people from the church. Maybe you can go with us. And suddenly a smile got on his face. And yes, that would be a very meaningful thing for me to do with you. He was one of the two who wanted a Bible, just like the girl and her mother had. He massaged his Bible a little bit like a treasure. Take your Bible out again with me. Just put your hand on it. Feel how soft it is. He looked at its binding. He says, you put my name there. I says, your name is important to me and to God. I asked him to give the other Bible to his friend who wasn't there because I want to make him a missionary. He himself can share the word of God with somebody else. I had his name also put on his Bible also. Now, it just so happens there was a third man in the group who wanted a Bible after he saw the two and the two, the two ladies and the two men. Is there a Bible for me? This is exciting. A few weeks earlier, he asked me to pray for him. I go into this business a couple times a week, and I pray for everybody in the business. So I show up. I'm their pastor. And they know I'm their pastor. I show up as their pastor to pray for them. So we went outside. We prayed in the parking lot. Boy, it was a meaningful prayer. He had trouble in his life. I had some. We could pray together. No one's better than anybody else. It felt so good. Now, this man is an honest man who has a sincere nature to him. So I told him that day that I didn't have a Bible for him, but I would be working on it. It takes a lot of time and money to pull this stuff out. I said, the stock at the Bible store is low right now, and we have to wait for more to come in. I didn't tell him I was going to buy it out of my own money. He got a little nervous. He said, how much does that Bible cost? Because it looks really expensive. I said, about $80 at all when I'm out the door. It's a Bible I'd buy myself from myself. His face dropped, and he was so sad. He said, I don't have that kind of money. I can't afford it. I looked at him and said, you don't have to. I'm going to give you that Bible as a gift. He said, really? I said, really? I said, when I give you that Bible that I am giving you, I am giving you Jesus because Jesus, the Son of God, is the Word of God in that book. He looked at me. I said, the creator of the universe is in this book, and he is the living and abiding word of God. I said, let me show you. Okay. So I opened the Bible. Turn to Genesis 15.1 in your Bible. Come on. Open it up. Genesis 15.1. I turned to my Bible, just like I am here, and I read Genesis 15.1 to him. I said, I'm going to show you that the word of God is alive right now. Here it is. I was using a New King James Version because my Revised Standard Version messes it up. Genesis 15.1 And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I said, Do you see that? He was reading the verse. The word of the Lord is speaking to Abram. Do you see it? Do you see the word saying? He said, Yeah, I see the word saying. The word is saying something to Abraham. It means the word is alive. I said, you know, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That's Jesus. He says, I get it. How exciting that is. He's there in the book of Genesis. And then turn to the young girl who was the first person to get a Bible. And he says, do you see what's there? Look what's there. I mean, it's right there. 
It ain't cheap, but Steve is going to get his Bible soon. You know, we'll have his name on it because he values the Word of God. That one verse was a treasure for him. His reward is very great. You see, you don't have to know all the Bible. You just got to find Jesus in your Bible, friend. And because everyone who finds Jesus in the Word of God has a reward that is exceedingly great. That's why we teach our children Sabbath school. We have children's stories here. We do it through song and music. However it works, if a person latches onto Jesus through the Word, the reward is intrinsic. The Word is great for all those who find Jesus in the Word. For humble men and women who choose to build their house upon the rock that is Jesus Christ and His words. Friend, we are called as Christians to be kingdom builders. Not lazy, indifferent. Active, proactive, passionate for the saving of men and women. Dear heart, build your house upon the rock. Stand firm in Jesus, the living and abiding word of God. That living stone, precious in God's eyes. And I guarantee you, based on the authority of the word of God, that no storm small or great, will tear your house down. You will live forever in Jesus' name to the glory of God. God bless you. That will conclude the message, Building on the Rock with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Make sure you stop by the website so you can listen to many other messages available there for you as well. And thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.